It's been a while, we've all been very busy and the whole world is set to get busier over the coming few weeks. Exams are all cancelled, most of us were heartbroken and revision is no doubt going to take a back seat. So to help as much as possible, we're going to try and make a short podcast every couple of days to help keep the momentum going when nobody really feels like revising. There is a handout, it's on the Google Drive link. The song is an a cappella cover of Wake Me Up by the fantastic Avicii, an appropriate choice given the current climate. We're doing the Luca dystrophies. The way we're going to cover this is a very short background sentence or two on each leukodystrophy and then go on to how you'd approach it in a VIVA exam. That way we cover everything you need both for the 2A and the 2B and we're going to start with X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy. It's one of the more common ones so it's fair game both for the 2A and the 2B VIVA and we don't need to go into all the mechanisms and the pathophysiology. Suffice to say, a bunch of things happen, which the end result is fatty acids are not oxidized and you get inflammatory demyelination. So we have demyelination caused by inflammation of the deep white matter. And the way that I remember the pattern of demyelination in X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy is all the P's. It's posterior, predominantly posterior, it will start with the occipital and then parietal white matter, periventricular deep white matter and a splenium of the corpus callosum, so the SP. So we have posterior, parietal, periventricular and splenium of the corpus callosum. That's the predominant areas of involvement in X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy. You have sparing of the subcortical U-fibres and you would expect it because it's X-linked, it's mostly going to affect men. Females can get a milder form as they can be carriers. The final thing to mention is just a descriptive term that we split the areas that are affected by the demyelination into zones. The central zone is the area of scarring, gliosis and essentially irreversible damage. The intermediate zone is the active inflammation and peripherally, is the leading edge. The peripheral zone is the leading edge of inflammation where the demyelination is spreading from. So if you walk into your viva and you're presented with imaging of X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy, you're going to spot it straight away because you've heard this podcast. If they hand you a CT, you'll say something like, there are low density areas in the region of the splenium of the corpus callosum and within the posterior deep white matter. MRI, similarly, you'll say there is high T2 flare signal with corresponding low T1 signal. It is symmetrical and confluent demyelination, which begins in the occipital lobes and spreads anteriorly. There is also involvement of the peritrigonal white matter and the corpus callosum. I can see that the subcortical U-fibers are spared and on the post-contrast images, there is enhancement, there's linear enhancement along the leading edge. So the edge, the leading edge is going to be enhancing. You then go on to say, 
give you a differential. So my main differentials for this imaging appearance are going to be X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy, posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome or PRES, and periventricular leukomalacia. If you want to sound particularly clever, you can say something like, in the case of PRES, I'd expect there to be a history of hypertension or certain drugs, and with periventricular leukomalacia, there'd be a history of premature birth, and I certainly wouldn't expect the gliosis to be enhancing. I take this further, so you go on to your management, by referring to a specialist paediatric neurology unit. There is some evidence that bone marrow transplant may help stop demyelination, but that will be a decision for MDT. And that's it. It's that simple. So X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy, the P's, it's posterior. It's in the occipital lobes, the parietal lobes, the periventricular regions and the splenium of the corpus callosum. It will spare the subcortical U-fibers and the main differentials you're going to mention are going to be X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy, pres and periventricular leukomalacia. If you have other differentials, add those in, but I don't see a point in listing loads and loads of them. Three will do. And remember, you'll see some linear enhancement along the leading edge of demyelination. The leading edge is going to be anterior because remember, it goes from posterior to anterior. That's X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy. Have a look at the handout. It's a lovely picture. That's what it looks like. Tell me I'm too young to understand. Say I'm caught up in a dream. Life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes. Well, that's fine by me. So wake me up when it's all over. When I'm wiser and I'm older. All this time I was finding myself tonight. Didn't know I was more. So wake me up when it's all over. We move on to metachromatic leukodystrophy, again relatively common and is fair game both for the VIVA and for the 2A exam. A number of pathological processes occur, none of which you need to know about. Some defects in aryl sulfatase and various activator proteins. None of that matters. All that matters is the end result of all these processes is demyelination. And the pattern of demyelination is the giveaway in an exam. The way that I remember metachromatic, chromatic relates to colour and colour like a colourful butterfly. And a butterfly pattern of demyelination is the characteristic pattern in metachromatic leukodystrophy. So what does that mean exactly? Have a look at your handout and you'll see the characteristic pattern of demyelination with metachromatic leukodystrophy. There's bilateral symmetrical frontal lobe demyelination, which is confluent and it's surrounding the frontal horns of the lateral ventricles and also around the trigon of the lateral ventricles, giving you this very pretty butterfly pattern. Again, there's going to be sparing of the subcortical U-fibers and unlike adrenoleukodystrophy, remember that had enhancement, like a line of enhancement around the leading edge, this has no enhancement. So metachromatic leukodystrophy with its butterfly distribution characteristically has no enhancement. The other giveaway with metachromatic leukodystrophy is within all this high T2 high flare signal in the butterfly distribution, there will be some sparing of the perivenule spaces. 
this sparing on the sagittal images is going to look like dark spots called a leopard pattern and on the axial images it's going to look like stripes and that's called a tigroid pattern and that tigroid pattern is sparing of the perivenial spaces. So when you're faced with this in a viva you're going to be very confident, they'll hand you an MRI and you will say there is a high T2 or high flare signal consistent with demyelination. It is predominantly within the frontal lobes. It's confluent surrounding the frontal horns of lateral ventricles and also around the trigon of the lateral ventricles. I note there is sparing of the subcortical U-fibers and this characteristic butterfly pattern is highly suggestive of metachromatic leukodystrophy. There is also some sparing of the perivenial spaces giving a characteristic tigroid pattern. My main differentials for this imaging will be other leukodystrophies. Although for exam purposes the tigroid pattern is almost diagnostic of metachromatic leukodystrophy, there are other weird and wonderful things that give you the same tigroid pattern. They have strange names like spastic ataxia of Charlevoix and other stuff. If you want to learn that, learn it. For an exam, I'd just say other leukodystrophies can also give a tigroid pattern and they'd be my main differentials. You move on to management and you can say, I'd refer this to a specialist paediatric neurology unit. If you want to be really clever, you can say that they may correlate these findings with the serum or urine aryl sulfatase levels. Remember right at the beginning I said that there's a defect in aryl sulfatase, so the levels of aryl sulfatase are going to be low in the urine and the serum. Before we move on to the final two, let's quickly recap the ones we've just done. So remember, X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy. It was very simple. It was all the P's. So it was posterior around the occipital lobe into the parietal in the peritrigonal white matter and the splenium of the corpus callosum. There was enhancement only of the edge. The leading edge of demyelination would enhance and sparing of the subcortical U-fibers. The main differentials were, as well as the X-linked leukodystrophy, pres and periventricular leukomalacia. Metachromatic leukodystrophy, again we have demyelination and this was a butterfly pattern. So confluent bilateral symmetrical frontal lobe demyelination around the frontal horns of lateral ventricles and the trigon of the lateral ventricles. There's no enhancement. So unlike adrenoleukodystrophy where there was enhancement, just a line of enhancement along the leading edge, with metachromatic there is characteristically no enhancement and you can have sparing of the perivenial spaces giving you a leopard or spot pattern on the sagittal images and a stripey or tigroid pattern on the axial images. 
the main differential for this is going to be other Leuka dystrophies that also give a tigroid pattern. Move on now to Alexander disease. Alexander disease is also known as fibrinoid leukodystrophy. The histological hallmark of Alexander disease, which they may ask you in the 2A exam, is something called Rosenthal fibres. Rosenthal fibres are deposits of protein, and these deposits of protein lie within the cytoplasm of the oligodendrocytes. And what they do is they impair the oligodendrocyte function and it can then not produce myelin properly. So again, the end result is dysmyelination. This dysmyelination affects, just like with metachromatic leukodystrophy, frontal lobes. So it's frontal symmetrical confluent dysmyelination. And unlike with metachromatic leukodystrophy, which spared the subcortical U-fibers, these final two diseases both will involve the subcortical U-fibers. They'll also involve the basal ganglia, so you'll see swelling of the caudate, the globus pallidus, thalamus and the brainstem, and there'll be enhancement, again a differentiating feature between Alexander disease and metachromatic leukodystrophy. What you'll often find is as the basal ganglia swell, there's obstructive hydrocephalus and many of these patients will present with macrocephaly. The end result of all these changes is then cystic leukomalacia. So in an exam, when you get presented with this, you will say there is frontal symmetrical demyelination. I note that there is involvement of the subcortical U-fibers and there is also involvement of the caudate lobe, the globus pallidus and the thalamus. There is enhancement of all the involved areas of demyelination and if there is, you mention swelling of the basal ganglia and any obstructive hydrocephalus. The main differential for this would be Alexander disease and the other differential is going to be metachromatic leukodystrophy. At this point, you'd say, with metachromatic leukodystrophy, I would not expect to see enhancement and I'd expect to see sparing of the subcortical U-fibers, whereas in this case, there is involvement. Management, you then go on to, I'd refer this to a specialist paediatric unit. There are no known treatments, so management is likely to be supportive. And that's Alexander disease. Very simple and very similar in distribution to metachromatic leukodystrophy. The differences, however, I'm going to reiterate them. Metachromatic leukodystrophy will spare the subcortical U-fibers and it will not enhance. Alexander disease will involve the subcortical U-fibers. It will involve the caudate, the globus pallidus, the thalamus, and it will enhance. That's pretty much all you need to know for Alexander disease. Take a break and we'll end with Canavan disease. Finally, Canavan disease. And if you've done any revision for any exam, 
you will know the one fact about Canavan disease that it's more prevalent in the Ashkenazi Jewish population. So if that is mentioned in your 2A exam, just put down Canavan disease. That's where they're going with that. So what's the background? What's the pathophysiology? Without going into any detail, there's an enzyme called N-acetyl-aspartoacyclase. In Canavan disease, that is deficient. So you get loads of N-acetyl-aspartate or NAA and you get loads of it in the CSF, in the blood and in the urine. Imaging is diagnostic for Canavan disease. Have a look at the handout and you will see how easy it is to spot Canavan disease. You will see bilateral, diffuse, symmetrical, subcortical white matter change. So the whole of the white matter is going to be involved, including all the subcortical U-fibers. You can see that on that handout. It affects the globus pallidus and the putamen also. There's no lobar predominance. It's diffuse involvement throughout the brain. The process does tend to spare the corpus callosum, the chordate and the internal capsule. There's no enhancement, but it will restrict diffusion. And once it goes on for a long time, there'll be cerebral atrophy and ex vacuo dilatation of the ventricles. So you walk into your viva and that's exactly what you're going to say. There is bilateral, diffuse, symmetrical, subcortical white matter involvement throughout the brain. There's no lobar predominance and there's also involvement of the globus pallidus and the putamen. I note there is involvement of the subcortical U-fibers and restricted diffusion. There's no enhancement on the post-contrast images. My main differentials for this appearance would be Canavan disease and any of the other leukodystrophies. Going on to your management, you'd say I take this further by referring this to a specialist paediatric neurology unit and correlating with NAA levels and management is likely to be supportive. And that's it, that's your big four. The four leukodystrophies you really ought to know quite well because any of them are fair game for the exam. Take a 30 second break, have a quick look at the handout again and then we'll do a quick recap before we wrap things up. leukodystrophies we've been through today we're going to quickly go through them again the first two have sparing of the subcortical u-fibers the second two both involve the subcortical u-fibers so the first was x-linked adrenoleukodystrophy and the pattern was posterior occipital parietal posterior peritrigonal and splenium of the corpus callosum there was some enhancement along the leading edge. So just a line of enhancement along the leading edge of demyelination. And like we've said, sparing of the subcortical U-fibers. Differentials are going to be X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy, pres and periventricular leukomalacia. 
The next was metachromatic leukodystrophy. Remember chromatic, many colours, like a butterfly. So the confluent demyelination here was around the frontal lobes, frontal horns and the trigon of the lateral ventricles in a butterfly pattern, again sparing of the subcortical U-fibres. There is no enhancement in metachromatic leukodystrophy. There is sparing of the perivenial spaces, which will appear as dark spots on the sagittal images like a leopard and stripes on the axial images at the characteristic tigroid pattern. Alexander disease, this one, you now don't have sparing of the U-fibres. There's involvement of the U-fibres. Like with metachromatic leukodystrophy, it was bilateral frontal lobes and also involved the chordate, the globus pallidus, the thalamus, and there was enhancement. So the two differences between this and metachromatic leukodystrophy was in Alexander disease, there is enhancement of the gliosis and also there is involvement of the subcortical U-fibers. The final one was Canavan disease which was bilateral, there was no lobar predominance, it was throughout the brain, diffuse subcortical white matter high signal and there again was involvement of the subcortical U-fibres, also affected the globus pallidus and the putamen and restricted diffusion, again no enhancement. Now we've been through four leukodystrophies. If you're in an exam and you're stuck in the viva, you can use any of the three as differentials for any of them. So if you get stuck and you can't think of the right differentials, just you go through your four leukodystrophies that you know. Have a look at the images on the handout. Practice saying these things back to yourself like you would in a viva. And that's it. That's it for the four big leukodystrophies. I purposely have not mentioned COVID-19. Most of us are in the thick of it and I've read some of your emails and seen the horrors that it's causing for those of you in Italy, in the States, in Spain, India and of course here in the UK. Aside from prayers, there's little else that I can say or do. So my small offering is to create as many podcasts as possible over the coming few weeks to help maintain the revision knowledge in a time when nobody really wants to revise. I'll try and do some videos too. Please do email and let us know how you're all doing. Until next time, stay safe and we'll be back soon with another podcast.